our car has both English and Chinese language because our grandson might want to ask the grandma questions and he probably does not speak or written Chinese and grandma probably only can speak Chinese. So that way they both can communicate. with Growing Older is a nonprofit organization which believes in peer learning and creating discussions which bring the lens of aging to a variety of topics. At Home with Growing Older is proud to be your host of At Home on Air, a bi-weekly radio hour offering connection, community, and knowledge to our participants remotely. Now, we invite you to listen and learn from this live recorded episode of At Home on Air. Welcome to another episode of At Home on Air, conversations that matter for the experiences of later life. I am Susie Stadler, an architect and also the executive director of At Home with Growing Older, which produces this program. I'm very pleased to welcome Sandy Stokes, founder of the Chinese American Coalition for Compassionate Care, and Teresa Cheng, who leads the mindfulness program with this organization. Host of this conversation is Donna Shemp, geriatric care manager and one of the founding members of At Home with Growing Older. And the chat room will be managed and led by Andrea Moss, also one of our long-term volunteers. Thank you all for engaging us in this important conversation about end-of-life issues and insights from the work of the Chinese American Coalition for Compassionate Care. Last but not least, I would like to thank our loyal sponsors, Rhoda Goldman Plaza and the Walnut Foundation, and would like to encourage others to follow their example uh, of helping us to produce these programs. 80% of our work is done by volunteers, and we would love to grow our capacity with more funding. So, Let's move ahead into important conversations about end-of-life issues. Donna, please take it away. We're going to talk about two parts of the program for the Chinese American Coalition for Community Care. Sandy Stokes is the founder and board member of the Chinese American Coalition for Compassionate Care and is an internationally recognized speaker. She's been providing end-of-life education and training for the Chinese community and health professionals since 1998. Under Sandy's leadership, the CACCC has produced end-of-life DVDs, books, and other educational materials in Chinese. Sandy created CACC's Heart-to-Heart Cards and developed the Heart-to-Heart Cafe, which is what we're going to hear about, where the cards are used to facilitate the end-of-life conversations that lead to advanced care planning. CACCC's workshops and trainings have focused on advanced care planning, hospice and palliative care, respite and spiritual care, and taking in consideration Chinese cultural beliefs and practices, and the role of the medical interpreters. In 2009, Sandy received the American Cancer Society's National Lane Adams Quality of Life Award for her work with CACCC, and in 2011, she received AARP's Inspire Award. In 27, she received the Compassionate Care Innovator Award from the Coalition of Compassionate Care of California. And she's a member of the advisory board for the Chinese Health Initiative at El Camino Hospital in Mountain View, and is a member of the board of Snowline Hospice in Placerville, and a member of the Diversity Advisory Council of the National Hospice and Palliative Care 
But other than that, she doesn't do anything. So Sandy, can you give us a brief overview of what CACCC does? And then we'll move into the Heart to Heart Cafe. Thank you, Donna, and also Andrea and Susie for your invitation. CACCC was founded back in 2005. We are the first and only coalition devoted to addressing end-of-life care concerns of the Chinese community in the United States. After COVID, we have expanded our services globally to about 10 different countries. So we are comprised of 200 plus of local, national, and global partner organizations and over 2,500 individuals. Our service majority is focused in end of life when we're talking about the community services, but we do quite a lot of health provider, health professionals, education, they are all in English, of course. So our program, Advanced Care Planning, I don't know if anybody heard of this term, which including two medical and legal forms, Advanced Care Directive and Post. We do the hospice and palliative care support, volunteer training, and of course, the Heart to Heart Cafe and the Mindful Self-Care Program. So that's what we do. End of life here is our focus. So what are the specific issues that CACCC addresses in regard to hospice and end of life care that's specific to the Chinese community? Well, I think nobody likes to talk about death and dying, particularly when they are still healthy, especially a lot of Chinese in the United States. Our first language is Chinese. So if in States we don't have enough or any at the earliest time of the 90s, we don't have any end-of-life Chinese education materials. By the time people already into the hospital emergency or ICU, it's a little bit too late to provide education for the patient or their family member. So we decided to have this grassroots organization to produce lots of Chinese material, both English and Chinese. So people will learn how to make the best medical decision before the crisis happens. So how did the heart-to-heart cards get developed? Okay, so back in 2014, we developed this communication tool, heart-to-heart card, to help start the end-of-life and medical decision-related conversation to identify individuals' desires, preference, and the value of our end-of-life. If you're having a cafe, how are the cards used? It's 54 cards like poker with the two joker, of course. And then the card organized into four suits. But each suit, we correspondent to the specific domain, like the suit of heart with the spiritual preference. Then if it's a state S, it says, I don't want to suffer. So in the center of the card, they have all the statement related to end of life or critical content there for people to choose from. Spade is a physical preference. Club is the social and then also diamond is the financial and legal domain. So we separate that four different preference. Then the two joker allow each individual to put down their preference that is not including in those four suits, those 52 cards. And by playing the card, people will be able to start a conversation particularly at the Heart to Heart Cafe. And they will start to ask questions by facilitators. And then each of them share their thought about the end of life related topics. Are there taboos in the Chinese community about what you can and can't talk about? Chinese have a specific needs because we have a different uh, cultural, linguistic, and then also religions. 
So the topic might be very different, but lots of them is similar. So we have a mix of the content, but so far it's owning car, very sensitive to the Chinese tailored content. For instance, we have a car talk about when I die, I don't want people to touch my body. After I die, don't touch my body for certain hours. Typically it's eight hours. Some of them even ask for 72 hours. So this kind of card, a lot of Chinese Buddhists will like to choose from out of these 54 cards. And that's the religion reason. Sometimes people will say, don't cry after I die, please don't cry. Or even before I die, don't cry. They all have their reason. It's all related to the culture or the religious. So that's two common examples that lots of Chinese will pick from. When you do the cafe, do you have mostly younger participants or older participants? It's all mixed. All mixed. If we do it in church, it can be young ladies. They have Bible study. They might be very young group. They might have elders at the community center, senior center, the whole group of the seniors there. We also go to people's home and at home have a family. They might have a grandma. They can have a father and son. So mixed of the generations. That's the reason our car has both English and Chinese language because a grandson might want to ask the grandma questions and he probably does not speak or written Chinese. And grandma probably only can speak Chinese. So that way they both can communicate, which we think is the best way because after all, this is designed for a communication. And we have a good percentage of participants. They only speak English. They don't speak Chinese at all, particularly the health providers, doctors, nurses, social workers. So, so it's all mixed. Did you say you go into the homes with people to help them have this conversation? Yes. For instance, if you decide to invite your family member a special occasion or just invite them, come over here, say, hey, let's have a heart heart cafe. I heard of that. I think it's really good. I want to share that with you. You can invite your niece, nephew or children, grandchildren all coming to the home. And then we will invite our trained facilitators going to the home and play the car with them. And then they might have a one heart heart cafe out of that eight people, for instance. Or we have a, such a big family, we can have two tables or two rooms and we can play that. So we can do that as well. Do you find resistance and people wanting to talk about it? We only invite the people who are interested in discussing in end of life. So we have an invitation letter. In the invitation, we say very clearly, let's get together have a tea and a pastry and discuss uh, death and dying. So when people receive that invitation, they know the content going to be death and dying. We have people who never want to attend that cafe. People might be very interested and they will invite their friend over. So we only provide to the people who are interested in this topic. So thank you. Okay. Now I want to introduce Teresa Cheng. She's a longtime volunteer at CACCC and the project head for the Mindfulness Self-Care Program. She has translated more than 20 books from English to Chinese, of which a few are about mindfulness and meditation. One of the books was awarded the best translator of the year in Taiwan. Teresa, tell us how the mindfulness program works. 
First of all, thank you for having us. A mindfulness program, yes, we do have one. We have a seven-week program, two hours per week, called Mindful Self-Care. In the beginning, there's a welcoming session, and there's a closing and reviewing session at the end. In between, there will be five topics we will be discussing. The first one, of course, is mindfulness, serve as a foundation for the rest, followed by cultivating compassion, self-care, mindful communication, and setting healthy boundaries. So in each of the two-hour session, we will have a guided meditation to start off, followed by a brief lecture, and then small group discussion in breakout rooms. So it's all done online. Yes, yes. Is this for anybody or is it only patients or only caregivers or does it have a focus on death and dying? It's not focus on death and dying. It's just daily mindfulness. Actually, you can call it application of mindfulness or extension of mindfulness. It was originally designed for caregivers, but after we delivered a couple of outreach events to make this program better known to the local Chinese community. We started receiving requests to open this program to the public. So we reviewed the materials and make a couple of slides modifications. And then we just opened to everyone who's interested, young and old, girls and boys. Do people follow up with the mindfulness after the classes have ended? Oh, this is a very interesting question. You know, we send out surveys three months, six months, and 12 months after the class is over. We found that some of the diehard participants are still practicing mindfulness on a daily basis or a regular basis. But a majority of them claim that occasionally they will practice a mindful meditation and they will always remember to apply mindfulness in their daily life in some given situations. So this is very good to hear. It's a good news. Was there any barriers to having this program accepted within the Chinese community? And particularly when you give those lectures, are those hard things for people to deal with? We hardly find any barriers, but if I have to name one, I would say it seems that our message cannot get across to half of the population. What does that mean? You know, 90% of our participants are females. So where are all the gentlemen? So I do hope to see more male participants to join us in the future. And it was originally set up for the caregivers, right? And now you have people who also may be dealing with end-of-life issues themselves? No, mainly caregivers and general public. But in the broad sense, everyone is a caregiver. Some young mothers are still taking care of their children. Sometimes they, they have elders. So in the broad sense, this program is for caregivers. Also, yes, we do have people who have some illness for a while, but we don't ask them about their physical condition. We do have a patient with a cancer remission they joined the group because they're facing not just illness, also depression and anxiety. And the mindful class that Teresa lead can really help them. So it kind of build a daily routine. 
they just automatically will do the daily mindful practice, uh, meditation practice. So that helps. And then many people, I can be a cancer survivor. So I'm also a caregiver for my husband. So it can be mixed of the hat we wear, right? Yeah, yeah. So Sandy and Teresa, one of the things that we'd all like to know is how is dealing with end-of-life issues different in the Chinese community than in the Western American community? I think the biggest difference will be it is a little bit harder to talk to about the end of life, even nobody wants to talk about, but for Chinese especially, because the culture for the past hundred years, way before people talk about death is a part of life. But then after the Western medicine coming to China for Chinese, people away from the death because everybody died in the hospital. So people start not to talking about that. And hospice and palliative is new to the Chinese in any country. So therefore we are kind of behind, particularly for instance in China, we start to encourage and develop the end of life program. But during this time, it's very hard for us to start a conversation. So many times the conversation didn't start until people are dying. And it's a little bit too late because I couldn't speak anymore, right? Or it's in that crisis, people cannot talk. So we decide to talk about end-of-life topics while we're still healthy, while we're still in the community at home. It is hard, again, because we don't have Chinese material. Everything here we provide is wonderful, but it's all in English. For the 85, it's impossible for them to understand either the medical or legal documentation. We'll rely on people who can do the bilingual, be able to explain to the grandma. I'm working with somebody, it's the son and the father, and they have a disagreement on how to take care of the aunt. Because the son is very Americanized and the father is very traditional. How do you help them to, you know, have that conversation because now they're dealing with a death and dying issue for somebody else. That's the reason we think the Heart Heart Cafe is so popular right now everywhere because of the conversation. We don't have a chance to have a conversation. It's so sensitive, uncomfortable, even unlucky. People think it's bad luck to talk about this. But in the cafe, people start realize, oh, Grandma Sandy is not afraid to talk about death. She just didn't have a chance to be asked to provide a safe environment for her to talk about. And sometimes it's because my daughter, maybe. My daughter afraid to ask mom, because if I ask mom, what's your end of life wishes? Maybe the mom get mad and say, why you ask me? You want me to die earlier, right? So we have a mutual organization to talk about cafe. Everybody start to bring up their deeper level of concern about end of life, or the value of our life. So we are not just talk about end of life only. In the cafe, we talk about the life, okay? What kind of food you like to eat, right? And then also what is important to you. And last people say the most important to me is I want my family to keep harmony. Don't fight at my dad's bed, okay? Don't start to argue. So all those things start coming up. And then after the cafe, they will continue the education. Now, if people need hospice, you don't actually provide hospice care. How do people get hospice care? We have uh, some resource for you. For hospice care, you can find out from the hospice nearby your area. For instance, if you live in South Bay, California, then you should consider to interview the hospices near your place. 
and we can provide several of that hospice for you too. Particularly if you have a family member prefer speak Chinese, we can let you know which hospice they provide the Chinese staff or volunteers. So do you train volunteers in different agencies on how to be culturally sensitive? Yes, we do. Probably half of our effort is work with our partner agency. For instance, if you live in South Spain, most of the hospitals such as Stanford, UCSF, they all are our partner agency. So what we do is we train the volunteers and they require to be bilingual. They will go to the hospital, provide an ambassador program. So the patient who speaks Chinese or, or prefers to speak Chinese be able to have a Chinese volunteer to support them. You are listening to At Home On Air. We are now switching to questions by participating audience members in this recorded live episode. If you want a chance to ask your question, visit us at athomewithgrowingolder.org and register for the next live episode. Rachel said, do people write their wishes or just converse in the Heart to Heart Cafe? It's already in the car. So you just pick the car. For instance, you pick a heart uh, a seven. You just circle the heart seven and they have content there. During the group discussion, the facilitator will ask you, what's the most important card you picked out of that 54 cards? So I will start saying, oh, okay, heart seven is what I picked the content and start to say why I picked that car. You might have 10 people pick the same car, but they all have a different reason why they pick the car. It's very good experience. You have to attend one to, to know why so many people enjoy and come back with people. Another question, especially the legal and medical section, they're a really good introduction, but they're not really specific because that has to happen later. So if a person picks a car it has to do with their health, say, and their health care at the end of life and that kind of thing. And you know that this is going to be a deeper question. I presume that you help them find somebody else to talk about that, or how do you deal with that? The cafe, number one, we let everybody know that this is not a grief support. It's not a support group. It's only a cafe who let everybody have opportunity to share their experience their feeling about end of life. Any legal or medical question come up, what we can do is resource to find the best person to give the answer or with our exist information. We have quite a few very good education material. For instance, CPR, feeding tube, ventilator, all those will provide them. But then most important part, we will let them understand the content, the terminology, and encourage them to have a conversation with the health providers because that's the best way. In the cafe, the main purpose for us to share, to listen to ourselves, what is important to me? Do I want to share this with my loved one or even with my health provider? I think that's a conversation. So even the sentence, I don't want to be a burden to my family, but what is burden, right? The facilitator will encourage the person to say, tell me a little bit about the burden. What's your definition of burden? Because burdens are all different for different people. So that's the conversation we want. And we want the conversation to ongoing. That's the reason people come back, say, I'm going to hear more about my new team, what they're going to share about their important choices. 
do you have carryover from the Heart to Heart Cafe to the meditation class? Right now, we don't. We just focus on mindfulness and their application in everyday life. They don't bring mm-hmm. up topics that maybe came up in the Heart to Heart Cafe. You know, when you're talking about compassion, something may have been triggered in one and it comes up again. Wow, that's a very good idea. There are two sets of people, people attending a heart-to-heart cafe and people attending mindfulness program. So I don't know if there's any overlap. We haven't found that. Thank you so much for giving us this idea that we can, maybe we can have some activities to make this two programs somehow connected. A couple of people ask questions I think have been answered. For instance, can people who are not Chinese participate? Are the cards only in Chinese? And I think you've made that clear that anybody can come. And the cards are bilingual English-Chinese. So that's that. The value to have this coalition is because last time people don't have a chance to share their fear, their concern with their loved one or the doctor before they lose their consciousness, not be able to talk or not be able to express their feeling. So this is very important because we are not just care for the patients. We care for the family member because they are the one last time suffering even more, particularly after patient died. There's a lot of regret. It's unnecessary. You're not just facing your mom passed away. You're facing the guilt, the anger, the disappointment, you know, lots of the feeling there. We are able to prevent that if we do it ahead of time. The father never been explained what the feeding tube means. So we have a nightmare about the father starving to death because this way never explained to him. This case is pretty common with this advanced healthcare directive. The patient is given a choice whether or not to prolong life. What do you think the answer is going to be? I really think 100% people will say yes. I will say yes, unless I'm suffering from depression or I'm suffering pain so severe, I, I don't want to live anymore because it's too painful. But if we provide a good resource, you'll be able to have a care by the good medical team. So you're free of pain. Are you still want to die sooner? Of course, no. The choices can be provided. The last time is the unnecessary suffering that people didn't know that they can avoid it. The information can be explained way before the crisis comes. So that's what we do. We have regular classes to provide for the community. It's a one-hour class to the public, English or Chinese. Everything is free about advanced healthcare directive, advanced care planning, how to complete a form, answer the difficult question related to death and dying. All those classes will be right after the Heart Rock Cafe. Thank you very much. Even though it's specific to where the father did not understand really what the feeding tube situation was, I think that you captured something so important, which is that we don't know. We don't always know what all this language means. Even if it's our own language, forget language barriers. We're not having these conversations so people don't understand what some of these situations are. And then thank you so much for mentioning how it is so hard sometimes for family or other close people to be present in a way that works and to deal with their own feelings and also to support the person who's dying because most of us who care to come to a meeting like this experience this. Thank you very much for expressing that that is part of your vision and part of the service you offer. 
for Teresa. Another question from Adrian. Describe kind of in your words what you mean when you talk about mindfulness. The word mindfulness, we can trace back to the ancient India. It means to remember or to recollect or to bear in mind. So let's just use a very brief definition by Dr. John Capucin, who found the MBSR program. He said it is the awareness that arises through paying attention to the present moment and non-judgmentally. So there's four major components of mindfulness. One is on purpose, which means intentionally, purposefully, and then paying attention, then the present moment, not the past and not the future. Lastly is non-judgmentally. So you are a scientist, you are observing, but you are not a judge or a jury. So this is mindfulness in modern days. Thank you. As with other profound topics, it's simple, but you could probably spend a lifetime looking at these and developing them for oneself. So thank you for that explanation. And I know that John Kabat-Zinn is a very important leader in this. So yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for the question. Another question from Amy says, will you train family members in mindfulness in elder caregiving? And I think you've answered that question. Yes, it began, especially for caregivers, and now it's for anybody. But might you speak a little bit just to the caregiving aspect of this, how that works in your classes and in terms of the caregiving concerns of the people that come to your mindfulness training? Well, you know, as I mentioned, there are five topics we will be discussing. There's some very important facts that caregivers always ignore. For instance, women with traditional Chinese value brought up in Chinese society, she will treat her family and herself as one. So anytime the family has something happen, she will do everything for the family. Oftentimes, she just do not have the time and energy to care for herself. This is why we have a topic talking about self-care. And oftentimes, when they did not do something fast enough or good enough, they will feel guilty or blame themselves that I am not a good daughter. In this way, they don't have compassion for themselves. This is another topic we will be talking about, compassion, compassion for others and compassion for yourself. When you are always constantly juggling around all kinds of roles like daughter or a mother or an aunt or anything, juggling around those roles and tasks, you know, everyone has a limited time and energy. Once you pass that limit or you suppress your emotion, you may just do some bad thing to your health. There may be some warning signs your house. If you suppress your emotion, you may burn out or someday burst out and make some conflict between your family members. So this is another topic we're talking about, setting healthy boundaries. Because family and I are one, then there's no boundary. We are one. So we are talking about those important topics to provide a tool for 
for the caregivers to take care of themselves so they can better take care of others. Yeah, thank you. Again, your answers, they have a lot of simplicity and a lot of depth. I can tell that you've spoken to probably hundreds of people about this. Two people ask how they can get the cards. You can go to our yeah. website and order. Or if you attend a Heart Heart Cafe, we have a great sponsor, which is AARP. Anybody who complete the two hours Heart Heart Cafe, you will receive a free deck of cards. The cost is $15 per deck. It's a free cafe with a trained facilitator and you get a free deck of cards and you have a wonderful two hours. I can almost guarantee you it's a life experience. End of life, everybody going to face it. You don't need to have a cancer, diabetes, but everybody going to die. So that's the very serious and very sad situation nowadays. People even take a whole year to prepare the wedding, but they won't spend two hours to think about the journey at the end of our lifetime. You know, I hope that even today's conversation will remind us to think about that. Yeah, that's an important comparison, how much time we spend planning other events, but not this one. Somebody asks, during the pandemic, are the cafes in person or on Zoom? Yeah. On Zoom. Are you able to have people from far away now join because your classes are on Zoom? Oh, yeah. We have at least 10 different countries had participants join us for Heart Heart Cafe. Also, our other program, like Teresa's Mindful Program, people join from Taiwan or Hong Kong. With the cafe, people start recognize the importance of this conversation about end of life. So they became our volunteers, particularly a group from Malaysia. We trained 10 facilitators in like three, four months, and they started doing the Heart Heart Cafe with our support. It's amazing how much needs they need. For instance, in their country, they don't have the legal medical form, like advanced health nor post form. They want to have it because it is very challenging for them to face a decision and they cannot make decision for themselves. So we hopefully can work with the government to support them to start develop the advanced healthcare directive. That's actually really wonderful that you're touching the lives of bureaucrats <laughs> as well as sort of average people. Are you having conversations with medical associations or hospitals or, you know, those kind of organizations also? Yes, we work with more than 200 different organizations. Majority are hospitals. We also work with AARP, American Cancer Society, Alzheimer's Association. They all are partner because after all, we are still the only coalition who serve the Chinese in end of life. We invite them to provide the training to their community and also to their staff or their volunteers. And you're being modest here, I think. It sounds like you're actually providing the training, but you're inspiring people. I mean, what you said about people in Malaysia, they want new systems, it sounds like. So they don't have to do everything individually so that it becomes part of their society. I give you a personal experience of my dad facing death and dying in Taiwan. At that time it was 1998 or 99. So at that time, Taiwan didn't have the advanced healthcare directive. So even my father suffering with cancer and in bed for many years, we couldn't make the decision. The patient cannot make decision. Family member have no say because legally, 
they have to perform CPR. Even my dad's only had a minute to go, but suffering a lot. He ended up in ICU for over a year. Can you imagine the money we spend, the government spend all those money because we are universal insurance. So it's very unnecessary suffering that can be avoided, but at that time we can't. So then after 2000, Taiwan has advanced healthcare directive. They call different names. But quite a few countries in Asia still don't have it. We make a lot of complaints with our country. But actually, we are very fortunate in this country. We have everything you need, and most countries don't have it. That's my personal experience. I know it's important because every day, all the time, people are dying. We are able to share that information for you. If you say, hey, let's have a family hot pot cafe, you will find out there's a lot of information you will get that your family will benefit from because you start a conversation and that is the best gift you can give yourself and give your loved one at the end. Sandy and Teresa, thank you so much. You have truly inspired us and we already have a couple of signups for a heart-to-heart -heart cafe and I think that you made this into a game. It's just a wonderful, wonderful way of doing this. A card game, which gives people some control, but also provides a framework and just the familiarity of a card game. So I'm looking forward to engaging with it. Thank you also to Don and Andrea for eloquently leading these conversations. Happy holidays and enjoy your families and be encouraged to talk about uncomfortable things, which are very necessary. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. This episode of At Home On Air was produced by the At Home With Growing Older team. We could not host these conversations without the generosity of our marvelous and passionate guests and hosts. Thank you for sharing your personal and professional insights. Thank you to our live audience for your thoughtful contributions. To subscribe to this podcast and for more information, visit us at athomewithgrowingolder.org. Thank you to our sponsors, Rhoda Goldman Plaza, the jewel of San Francisco's assisted living and memory care communities, and the Walnut Foundation, a San Francisco family foundation. We would also like to thank, for their encouragement and inspiration, Encore.org, which works to bridge the intergenerational divide, and the Op-Ed Project, whose mission is to change who writes history. At Home with Growing Older strives to educate, inspire, and connect people across generations and disciplines to re-envision and improve the experiences of later life. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in for the next episode.